Well, as I mentioned a moment ago, we are starting a, a new series called uh, Prayer and Prophecy. And um, if you've ever wondered where our series graphics come from, uh, Kaylee actually makes them for us. Kaylee, can you raise your hand? This is Kaylee over here, and I'm embarrassing her. Um, but she makes these, and she made like the vision series, and she, she does all this stuff, which is really impressive to me, because all I can do is like type words in Word. And that's like all I can use a computer for. Um, so that's awesome, people using their, their gifts. But uh, we're starting a new series, Prayer and Prophecy. And uh, the heart behind this series is simply learning to grow deeper in our discipleship to Jesus by pressing into the mystery of God in a way that is both informed and expectant. If the series were to have a tagline, it would be engaging in life with God, with the primary uh, avenue or theme that will run through the series uh, being prayer. And so throughout the series, we will cover a variety of topics, starting with topics that many of us are the most comfortable with, and then moving the other direction. Next week, we will unpack uh, the Lord's Prayer, which is how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Uh, the week after that, we'll unpack the person and work of the Holy Spirit, kind of the role of the Holy Spirit in our prayer lives. And in the weeks following that, we'll attempt to answer some basic questions about life with God. What do the scriptures say about speaking in tongues and how are we to understand what that is? Is spiritual warfare a reality? And if it is, what should we do about it? Does God still physically heal people today? And if he does, uh, how should we pray uh, toward that? that? That's a glimpse of where we're headed as we get into the series. Uh, but we are going to start the series in a place uh, that many would consider unexpected. Uh, and, and we want to start the series this morning by focusing on the Psalms. And if you're new to the scriptures, uh, the Psalms are the, a book of poetry and prayer and worship that's located right in the middle of your Bibles. And I say this is an unexpected uh, place to start, uh, not because it's strange or unfamiliar, but because we're about to turn in our Bibles to a book of Old Testament prayer written thousands of years ago. And there is a risk of us feeling over-familiar with the text to the point that we don't think they have much to offer. But I'm convinced that this will be the best place for us to start a series on prayer. And before I was a pastor, I was a lawyer. So I'm guessing I can convince at least a few of you in the next few minutes. And if not, I wasted a lot of money on student loans. Um, but if you have a Bible, um, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 137, right near the middle of the scriptures, and we'll pick up in verse 1 in a moment. Through the series, we will examine how Jesus taught us to pray the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in prayer. We'll talk about how to pray against the demonic and how to pray for physical healing. But before we get to any of that, we actually want to start with the Psalms. And if you're new to the Bible, the Psalms are essentially the prayer book of the Bible. And if you're wondering why it's spelled with a P, you should ask Matt Karsh, um, because I have no idea. Uh, through oh, uh, But this book is a compiled book of prayer. It is one of the longest books of the Bible, the longest, depending on how you measure. And um, I was actually surprised to learn that it's the most widely read book of the Bible. 
The Psalms are an incredible resource for prayer and engaging with life in life with God that we far too often neglect. The book itself contains 150 different prayers and songs, potentially written over the course of about a thousand years, and they involve everything from war to peace to worship to judgment and everything in between some of them speak prophetically about the coming messiah many of them speak about the glory of the creator god and still others speak about the glory of creation that itself speaks of yahweh or the creator and um the so we're going to get started in uh, the Psalms. And as we, if, if you're used to reading the Psalms, what you'll notice is that not only do they cover a variety of subjects, but they also cover the full array of human emotions. And many of us are surprised to find when we're reading the Psalms that the statistical majority of them actually are what we would call lament or grieving, including Psalm 137, where we'll pick up in verse one. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars, we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, May my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. What do you do with that? <laughs> All of Scripture is God's word to us. And we believe that God speaks to individuals in real time. We'll talk about that later in the series. But we also believe that God has spoken a central word for all people, for all time. And that's the scriptures. What does God have to say to humanity? You are holding the answer in your hand. And if you've ever wanted to hear God speak to you and you feel like he never has, I would suggest starting with the scriptures. But that still leaves the question, what do we say in return? How do we properly respond to the God who has so shockingly revealed himself in and through Jesus and the scriptures? Most humans would agree that prayer is basic to our existence. Prayer reaches into the unknown for what we sense deep in our hearts will provide wholeness or fulfillment or what the scriptures would call salvation. We are not finished creatures, but rather unfinished ones filled with longing and reaching and stretching toward fulfillment. We are incomplete. 
And within our hearts, we find this drive toward God, this drive to please God, this drive to involve the unknown and the divine in our lives. And so each of us reaches out with our kind of raw emotions and desires toward that unknown. But as we do, we find uh, that within the Bible, we have a toolbox from which to pull. The Psalms are God's gift to us, training us in in how to be comprehensive and honest in our prayers, training us in conversation with God. And the Psalms are necessary. As I mentioned a moment ago, I was a lawyer before I was a pastor, and in order to do that, I had to um, go to law school, which is actually where I met Matt Karsh and where um, kind of the dream for this church was first born. But um, in the middle of law school, I was under um, just incredible and immense pressure, and I had a period of about a year and a half uh, where I went from anxiety into um, just the depths of depression to the point where I even became suicidal. And it was a really dark time in my life, and I still loved Jesus. I still like, had, had faith in him in some sense, but I didn't know what to say to God in that season. It, it felt as if my soul had been crushed by like a two-ton truck. I, I, I was just obliterated. I had no idea. God, I, I, I still think that you're there, but what do I say? The, 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 the only prayer I could pray was just, God, help. If you prayed that prayer before, God, help. I'm, I'm dying. I don't, just help. Just to pray the simplest prayers took an amazing amount of, of energy. Just to, to open the Bible and, and just read a verse or a paragraph um, was sometimes excruciating. Um, and, and, and then, In the midst of that struggle, I I started reading the Psalms. And the psalmist was talking about um, being stuck in this pit, in a dark pit, and they were crying out to God uh, to save them from this pit. And and all of a sudden, I, I knew what to pray. And I was still in the pit. I was still struggling for my life. But something shifted. Now I knew where I was and I knew how to talk to God about it. The the Psalms gave me uh, the words in that season. And all of a sudden I realized I wasn't alone. I mean, as a follower of Jesus, we each have the Holy Spirit, right? And so I felt vacant But I knew, okay, God's with me. The the Spirit hasn't left or departed from me. Jesus is with me in the pit, so to speak. And the psalmist is too. The psalm started uh, speaking to me. Hey, you're not the first one to pass through this. You're going to make it. You know where you are. And you know how to talk to God about it. They gave me words to pray when I had nothing to pray for myself. Eugene Peterson says it this way. He says, the Psalms stand us up, our lungs half full of water, coughing and sputtering our unrehearsed answer to the God who calls us into a life of covenant, speaking salvation to us. 
God approaches us in his glory and speaks to us. And here then is how we should respond. All around the psalmist, uh, a thousand years before Jesus, there were cultures who carefully studied, studied the world around them and even the world within them. The Greeks, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians passionately studied the surface of the earth and mapped the stars and astronomy and found new sorts of tools and sources of power and, and they unveiled mathematics and, and mapped and charted that. Their, their discoveries within these cultures of the natural world were, were astounding. But the Hebrews, the Hebrews prayed they were passionate and intelligent before God. They made discoveries here that are beneficial for us. They knew that God had invaded their history, had invaded their story. They knew themselves to be addressed or spoken to by God. And they responded in what we call the Psalms. My guess is that every human being who has ever tried to follow Jesus and millions more who haven't have all come to this place at some point in their lives where, where they don't know, we don't know what to pray. God, God how am I supposed to approach you? What, what do I say? And, and we'll answer that question from a couple different angles in the coming weeks, but we're starting with the Psalms. This is how God invites us to respond to him. And what we find when we begin to read them is sometimes shocking to us because they were written in a way, in a language that is raw and open and honest and perhaps even more so in the original language. And they can be so raw and so honest that they become unsettling to us. And that's in part because each one of us has made assumptions about how we should talk to God, about who God is and what he's like and how we approach him, and it shows in the way that we pray. Um, should God only be addressed in highly structured and religious language? Um, does he reply more when we pray to him in the King James Version, using thy and thine? Does he reply more, should we use more words or, or, or less words? Should we use passionate words or restrained words? These are uh, the questions that we have to wrestle with. Should we approach God in fear or should we be totally comforted and set free as we come into his presence? These are the questions that we have to ask. Because oftentimes what happens is that in the name of propriety, we begin to hide our true feelings before God and others in prayer. We begin to hide who we truly are. There is a method of using prayer of any style and any background and any tradition which actually hides us from God and others. And we have to recognize the human tendency to do so. For those who are new to the story of the scriptures, you'll remember that in the beginning, uh, or sorry, if, if you're not new, if you are new to the story of the scriptures, in the beginning, um, Adam and Eve disobey God and, and they kind of step outside of God's love and protection. And the first thing that they notice is that they're naked. 
And, and that sounds really weird to us, right? Like, what, what's going on here? I don't, I don't get that. Sounds kind of funny. Uh, but all of a sudden, there's this sense of, of vulnerability and, and exposure and, and fear and even shame that comes along with it. And so their immediate response is to hide. And they cover themselves and they hide from God and from one another. And, and we have to recognize that, that ever since that moment, that this has been kind of the human norm. This mentality uh, seeps its way into all that we do, including our prayers. And so we can often end up praying prayers um, that, hi- that hide instead of expose. For example, I think we all know families or have been a part of families um, who said, have said the same prayer before dinner every night, Right? You have like the family prayer that you pray. And, and praying, to be clear, is better than like not praying, right? So like if you have the choice, yeah, why, why don't you go for it and, and pray? Uh, but the problem is that, that sometimes it can become a hollow uh, ritual, something that we just do over and over again that doesn't actually expose our heart before God. In fact, it's just as likely that we use it as a shield to, to keep us from having to interact with God in real time. So every morning, I mean, every evening, we you know, gather everyone around the table and do the family chant or whatever. Just, God is great. God is good. Thank you, God, for all our food. Amen. Right? And you do that. I don't know if that's yours or not. It probably is. Um, but you do that a thousand nights in a row, and suddenly it doesn't mean anything at all. And so what we do occasionally by slipping into these rituals is that we come to a place where we have no idea how to actually pray to God in real time. Because the only thing we've known is just this ritualistic shield that we've thrown up out of fear or apathy or laziness or uncertainty or frustration or convenience. Say, okay, let's just just do this one over here. And outside of that ritualistic dinner blessing, we have no idea who God is or what to say to him. We, we could grab an unbelieving person off the street and ask them to pray, and they would be just as far along in their prayer life by just jumping in and taking a stab at it. Because we're not actually using prayer to, to bring us into the presence of God. In the same way, it can happen with ritualistic prayers. But in the same way, there is a temptation for many of us who pray spontaneously what's on our heart to pray in language that's actually more tailored to the people around us than it is to God above us. And so we'll pray, but the whole time we're just wondering what others think. And this was me for like the first couple years of my faith, right? Okay, what if they find out like who I really am? What if they, they know where I really stand with God? What if they recognize that I don't know nearly as much as they do? What if, uh, and so the whole time I'm praying, if I even pray at all in front of people, I'm just thinking about what they want to hear and not what I'm actually wanting to pray before God, not what's actually on my heart. And so I, 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 I did this for years. I would use these prayers to actually try to hide 
who I was, to hide my standing with God, to hide what I'd been doing on Saturday nights, to, hide, to, to cover up instead of expose. And so immediately when we approach prayer in that way, we begin reaching for language that masks who we are and what we're feeling instead of exposing our true feelings before God. We're equally afraid of feeling vulnerable and exposed. We still have our fig leaves on, so to speak. We've just formed them using the nightly dinner chants or or language that's completely foreign to us but just hides who we are and how we're feeling. And what happens when we slip into these patterns is that we actually end up living inconsistent lives before God and others because we aren't being honest before God and others. And, And in a sense, we start putting on a show. And this is the part of the sermon where we all start to feel uncomfortable, right? Because all of us, myself included, to some degree, wear a mask for the world to see. We've all generated a version of ourselves that we wish were true that then gets projected. We've created this glittering image. And social media is just fuel on the fire because it teaches us how to, trains us to airbrush our lives and project a certain image. And we do that long enough day in and day out and suddenly we we become terrified to actually show the real person that's underneath, to actually share who we really are, to actually show our flaws, to actually share our real feeling. And don't think that that you can hide from others and then be completely open and honest before God. Those two things are absolutely tied together. And so the solution, rather than sitting in our fears and saying, what if they found out who I really was? Uh, what, What if they saw what's beneath the surface? What if they knew where I really stood with God? What if they knew what I was really struggling with? Instead of being stuck in those fears, the solution is that as a community, we need to admit that each of us is damaged and cracked and frail and and, and limited and imperfect and that each and every one of us is accepted and loved and forgiven and cherished and sought after and that you have a place in this community that nobody else can take away. And we have to recognize that every single one of us feels real human emotions before a real and loving God. And the Psalms teach us to pray in this way. Peter Scazzaro, in his book, The Emotionally Healthy Church, says it this way. He says, in the minds of many today, the repression of feelings and emotions has been elevated to the status of spirit or virtue. Denying anger, ignoring pain, skipping over depression, running from loneliness, avoiding confusing doubts, and turning off our sexuality has become a way of working out our spiritual lives. What we see when we open the scriptures and read the Psalms is that you might be afraid of speaking out what's on your heart. But God is not. Tremper Longman III has an amazing name. And he said it this way. He said, ignoring our emotions 
is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality, and reality is where we meet with God. In neglecting our intense emotions, we are false to ourselves and lose a wonderful opportunity to know God. We forget that change comes through brutal honesty and vulnerability before God. In other words, fig leaves off, glittering images thrown out, true emotions laid bare before God. This is what God is after. He has spoken a definitive word to us. And he invites us to respond using language that would make most of us blush. When I read through the Psalms, half the time I'm thinking, wait, can I really say that in front of God? The psalmist would. How many of us have been told never to question God or bring up doubts? Really? Because the psalmist does. Why, Lord, do you stand so far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? God, are you really who you say you are? Because that is not my felt reality right now. I don't see you in any of the, where are you? Have you ever felt lonely? or anxious, or, or depressed, and not understood where God was in the midst of it. Because the psalmist has. My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? And the psalmist has nothing to say in reply because he just doesn't know. Have you ever prayed an angry prayer before God? The psalmist has. God, break the arm of the wicked man. Call the evildoer to account for his wickedness. I hate what they've done. I want justice. God, break the teeth in their mouths. I hate them with a perfect hatred. God put that in the scriptures. And he said, that's how I want you to pray. Why? What's going on here? These are the things that they actually felt. You know what their solution was? It was to pray. It was to bring those real thoughts and emotions before God and pray them to God in a way that was unfiltered and honest and raw and yet somehow still reverent. They aren't mocking God. They aren't cursing God, though surely in our darkest hour we might be tempted to. They aren't indecent or overly crude. They're just honest. And the psalmist is bursting with genuine anger before God and he cries out against his enemies. God, happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. 
Are you serious? That, that's in the Bible? I, I mean, isn't this God advocating genocide? No. He's advocating honesty. He's saying if that's how you really feel, if that's what's on your heart, then pray that to me. Meet me in that place of reality where, where you, accept the, you accept your questions and you accept your emotions and you turn them into prayers before the throne of God. Tell him what's in your heart. If there's only one lesson that I can impress upon you as we embark on a series in prayer and engaging in life with God, it's that God wants your honesty and your authenticity as much as he wants anything else. And how do I know that? Because he put this stuff in the scriptures and, and he invited us to pray those things. When we, it's in the Bible. Long before Jesus showed up, God spoke to his people and said, here's how you pray. Covering the full range of the human experience, God has created a spacious place for us to come to him just as we are and engage with him in honesty. There is room to breathe in prayer with God. But if we come with our masks on, hiding from God and others, we will miss the greatest chance we have at genuine relationship. If we start with a posture of pretense, hiding from God and others, then everything that follows in this series is going to be a waste of our time. God wants your honesty. I was talking with one of you recently here at River's Edge who's just been struggling, um, just in that one of those weird seasons of life where you just feel disconnected from God, uh, exhausted in life, rushed, hurried, not gaining traction in your faith, feeling kind of disoriented. Where, where do I go next? Um, lacking in desire for the things of God, though knowing that you, you want to desire those things. Uh, they're, they're in a place of um, kind of wanting to want God if you've ever been there before. And, and toward the end of our time together, uh, as I usually do, I say, hey, let's go ahead and just end in, in prayer. Um, and, and they said, well, I, I don't know what to pray. Like all I know how to do right now is tell God about my lack of desire for him. And, and a little light bulb went off in my mind. I said, that's it. That, that is the perfect place to start. Why, why don't you start by praying to God and telling him about your lack of desire for him, but that you want to have desire? Why don't you start by telling God you have no idea what to pray to him, but that you want to have the words to pray? Why don't you start exactly where you are in that place of honesty and let God meet you there? Because if, if the foundation is honesty and we're authentic in the way that we approach him, God's going to meet us in that place. God isn't interested in sitting down to a mock meeting in which we say we want to meet with God and yet we leave our mask on all the way through the meeting and then walk out the door. I have a friend named Tim. 
We'll kind of end with this. I have a friend named Tim who was in my missional community uh, years ago. And Tim grew up in a Christian home, but his faith was just marginal uh, at best. He never really knew God. He never really uh, pursued God. He just tried to kind of do the right thing and carried a, a marginal faith along with him. And then Tim graduated from high school and went off to college. And when he arrived there, he was instantly faced with a crisis of faith. Suddenly he didn't really know if he believed in God at all. And he was confused about his doubts that he'd been carrying and he was confused about uh, the presence of, of evil in the world and why God felt so distant. And, and everything was kind of uh, coming to a head. The pressure became too great. And his first week of college, he dropped down to his knees on the floor of his dorm room and for an hour, he prayed to God. And it wasn't a nice, tidy, polished, formal prayer. He was angry. He was angry with God and he was angry with the evil in the world and he was angry about his parents' divorce and he was angry about all of these doubts that he was carrying. For an hour, he poured himself out until every last ounce was out on the table. And at the end of the hour, he finally stopped praying. And immediately, he just felt the sense of peace wash over him. And God spoke to him. For the first time in his life, he felt God speak to him. God spoke a, a single word that began their relationship together. He said, finally. Finally. And, and, and that was it. Tim just burst into tears. God was there. What, what is it? God was waiting for him. God says, I'm waiting for you to come to me with who you really are and your wrestles and your doubts and your struggles and your emotions and pray that to me. And from that day forward, Tim became more and more alive in his faith and Jesus became more and more real to him and he was one of the guys who helped me encounter Jesus. But it started with that. It started with Tim coming before God in his raw honesty and, and, and laying that out on the table. And, and, and I think that's how we should approach him this morning. I think that's how I want us to start the series together. And maybe some of you walked in thinking, oh, this, the, Psalms, the Psalms are boring. What about tongues? What about healing? What about spiritual warfare? And that's coming. But in the meantime, I think this is the perfect place to start our series together for two reasons. The first is that we want everything that we do and everything that we talk about to be rooted in the scriptures. And so even as we talk about prayer in the broadest sense, we want that to be rooted in the scriptures and the Psalms are the foundation of a prayer-filled life. And second, we want everything that we do in this series to be genuine and honest. We aren't praying cliches. We aren't using language to impress our listeners. We aren't using prayer to hide from God and one another. We're using prayer to expose our inner heart before God and invite a genuine response. 
Anything less than that, and prayer becomes just another set of fig leaves that we hide behind. And God is walking through the garden in the cool of the day. And just like he said to Adam and Eve, he's saying, where are you? Where are you? Not the mask, not the fake you, not the projection, not the glittering image, not the Instagram version. Where are you? And, and, and we're hiding. And the beautiful thing about what Tim did on the floor of his dorm room is that he wasn't even in a place where he could understand or see God. But he, he just came out in the open, so to speak. And he said, God, I don't know where you are, but here I am with everything that I have. And God says, yes, that's it. That's where we're going to meet together. That's where this, this relationship is going to ignite. And, and I think that's what the Psalms are after. In fact, if we read enough of them, they usher us into it. There are Psalms of celebration and there are psalms of loss and lament and mourning and grief. There are songs written by people whose vision was flooded with the reality of God. Right alongside those, written, uh, those psalms written by people who could not find him anywhere. There are psalms written by people who are full of understanding and those who have nothing but questions. There are psalms of forgiveness right alongside psalms of revenge. There are prayers of peace right alongside prayers of anger, understanding and confusion. There were psalms that were fitting for Jesus to pray while he died on the cross, pressing into the disconnect between the magnificent love of the Father and the brutality of his circumstances. He prayed the psalms. My guess is that we have all of those emotions in the room this morning. <laughs> that there are uh, some of us who are filled with joy and it's the most natural thing to worship God. And others who are like Tim, who are saying, I don't really know if God is there. I don't really understand this. I don't know if I can believe this. And, and, and God's inviting all of us to come into this spacious place of honesty. And so as we begin a series on prayer and engaging in life with God, I, I want us to just start by creating a moment of honesty. So I'm going to invite um, the band to go ahead and, and come back up. Um, and if you're on the prayer team, I'll just invite you to head over um, to the far wall. And um, what we're going to do as we close, um, before we open up the tables and go to communion, we're just going to take some time, like a full five minutes, for those of you who are, are more ADHD in your disposition, okay? We're going to take a full five minutes and just create space for us to be honest with God. And so if you're full uh, of life and peace and joy and the knowledge of God, just, just talk to God about that celebrate that. If you've never prayed before and, and you're just here visiting, this is a great opportunity to, to just press and just say, God, here's who I am. Here's how I'm feeling. But we want to meet with God in an authentic way in this place. Pray out what's on your heart. And if you don't know what to pray, then pray that. God, I don't know you. I haven't seen you. I haven't felt you. I don't even know what to pray. That's a, that's a psalm. That's worthy of being in the scriptures. 
So no matter where you're at this morning, let's just pray out in honesty, as honest as we can, what we're feeling. And when you're done pouring out your heart, tell God what you want. Because he wants to meet with you more than you want to meet with him. So let's come into that place of of spacious honesty. And uh, as we do, you can sit, you can stand, you can journal, you can read your Bible. You can just sit where you are and just whisper to God. Just start the conversation. We, we have a prayer team along the sidewall, um, and, and I'm going to head over there and ask for prayer, and maybe after that I'll be available to pray. Who knows? Let's be honest about when we need that too. Um, but we're, we're just going to create this space, um, and as we do, we're going to throw um, a, a list of some psalms up here um, that can help kind of guide you and, and usher you into um, prayer before God that's fitting and open and honest Um, but let's practice together as a community uh, the lost art of honesty and authenticity before God and others